This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Nicky. His name is Larry Weathers. We are very happy to be here every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on Twitter and Periscope if you'd like to join us uh, and jump in the live show, get your comments, questions, concerns, uh, all in as we record. That's always fun to do. So um, tonight we are not going to talk about a San Antonio FC USL match that has been played because they didn't have any USL matches this week. They uh, played a different opponent, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, we have some stadium talk from a potential MLS market <laughs> that involves a site that may or may not be suitable for a stadium. Uh, and it's not the one that you think. And uh, we have a whole lot of other stuff to talk about too. A couple new teams, a couple new names, uh, a lot of a lot of big things happened this week around USL. So we will get to all of that. But first, Larry, how are you doing, man? How's things? Whatever is in the air in San Antonio is kicking my ass right now. So I apologize ahead of time if I start sneezing my ass off because I'm suffering over here from whatever this crap is. But otherwise, I'm good. I think that's part of living in South Texas, living in the San Antonio area. Like, I thought my allergies were bad in Illinois when I lived there, and uh, I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> so, so the funny thing is, is that uh, I'm originally from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, and my mom had all sorts of health issues. And part of the reason we moved to Texas was her, her doctors suggested San Antonio because they said it would be much better allergy and air quality wise oh, oh <laughs> I, I yeah no i it's crazy thinking about that now because everything is in the air out here and it's it seems like it's way worse than florida i don't know that's, that's terrible there are fewer mosquitoes it's less humid fewer hurricanes generally so this there's good things about it, I guess, being out here. But. Literally, it was the air quality. That was like one of the big concerns and getting her out here to Texas instead. Oh, man, that is terrible advice. Um, what's not terrible advice is you can go to TexasSoccerRadio.com and see our uh, website hosted by the Beautiful Game Network. Thank you to all they do uh, for all they do. And thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. You can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Larry, I'm going to be honest. I was at Schlitterbahn earlier today, and um, I have so much water in my ears that I can't tell if I'm yelling or if I am whispering. Um, So uh, sincere apologies to anyone listening to this show and – either getting their speakers blasted out or having them cranked all the way up or whatever it may be. But here we are, man. We're both running at half percent, huh? I'm probably not helping that cause any because I feel like I'm half deaf from listening to music way too loud. So <laughs> I have you cranked on my end. So there we go. Lord knows what everybody else is hearing. <laughs> um, speaking of coming out at half strength, uh, how about England and uh, falling out of the World Cup there? Disappointing. <sighs> disappointing that was who i was rooting for going into the final four it's coming home 
not they're coming home. Not not this year. Not as champions. Twenty twenty two. It's coming home. Oh uh, god. Yeah, Maybe the U.S. Fun. men's national team will make that one. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> let's. We'll try and make the tournament before we worry about winning any hardware, right? No, for sure. <sighs> um. Yeah, that was a bummer. You had England winning it all, if I'm not mistaken. I had France winning it all, so I'm in good shape so far. Um, but we'll see. France and uh, Croatia facing off. Who you got? France. I mean. Mbappe's unstoppable at this point. Just, just send them. I had that backwards. I had England winning it yeah, all. I, I, I was th- sitting here thinking about that. Going, I, I don't know. If, <laughs> I'm deflecting. Did I? Uh, <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Okay, I'm not okay with it. You no. made this terrible pick. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sitting. Good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I had that reversed. I had England getting through, and you had France winning it all. Uh, I mean, oh, it's. it's I'm hoping it'll be an interesting game. I'm that's hoping we can watch it together at this point, right? Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe we can uh, figure out a bar to watch it at and uh, see if anybody wants to join us. I'm trying to pull the stream up here. I'm having some issues once again. It's turning into a weekly. It's saying you're joining. I see it on my end. So, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's talk a little San Antonio FC. So they, like I said earlier, did not have a USL match this week or since we've recorded another podcast anyway. Um, However, they did play Liga MX champions Santos Laguna. Uh, Not only did they play them, but they beat them two to one uh, in regular time. Didn't go to any extra time or anything. Not like all of the World Cup matches this year. <laughs> Not like last year when we played them. It ended yeah. up going to penalty kicks last year. Um, Kyle Murphy, get in my lineup, please, every week. Jesus. Yeah, man. He looked good. Oh, he looked really good. Um, so who had the goals? It was one of them was Mike Seth on and, that touch, and the other right. was Murphy? Guzman? No, no, no. Murphy had the cross in. Murphy had the cross into oh, Mike Seth. And yeah. then Guzman had that crazy Absolutely. one where yeah. there was all sorts of confusion inside the box and managed to get it, sneak one in right there. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. It was absolute chaos after that corner kick. And I was shocked that it went in. I was shocked he was onside and I'm glad it all worked out. It was, it was a really fun match to watch. Um, before we talk about the players themselves, it was kind of a weird experience because San Antonio FC was basically the away team. Um, It felt like it was about 80% Santos fans, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's kind of what we had last time too, when they came to town, Um, they definitely bring the crowd out as a team, Santos Laguna. So lots of fans here in San Antonio of them and they definitely showed up and they were definitely loud that night. That's for yeah. sure. It's uh, really weird watching uh, Diego and Matt get the P chant directed at them at Toyota field. Um, but uh, I, I ran into Tim Holt and one of the things I said was, you know, hopefully at least uh, some of these fans will be converted into San Antonio FC fans after coming for their first match to see Santos and, and, Coming back later on in the season to see San Antonio FC, hopefully we'll see. But um, it was it was rocking. It was 70, 70 something, just over 7,000 in attendance, which considering all the rain and everything, I think that was pretty solid. 
yeah, no, that was a good showing crowd-wise. Um, sorry for anybody that didn't go to this game. I know there were several season ticket members that didn't attend. Um, this was not one to miss. It was, a f- it was probably the, the, the most fun match to watch this entire season so far, which is it, crazy yeah. considering it wasn't a USL game. It really was. I, I wasn't trying to like say you're not a good fan if you don't come to every SAFC game because I've missed games, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it was a shame to see people say, oh, I don't care about Liga MX, so I'm going to skip this one. And uh, it, it ended up being incredibly fun and incredibly different than anything we've seen. And um, we got to see 22 players take the field, right? It was full. Or no, it wasn't. Close to it. They, it was close to it. Santos Laguna swapped, swapped full teams right. at halftime. Um, we did a very large swap, that's for sure. It's like 18 total SAFC players. Um, and, and yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. And you kind of mentioned it. Um, we got to see some players that haven't seen a lot of minutes so far in San Antonio FC's uh, league play. And Kyle Murphy absolutely killing it he didn't score but he looked incredibly dangerous and he was instrumental in a lot of the attack for san antonio fc um i don't know how you plug him in going forward if you have to sit guzman and sit bruce uh to do it uh i that's that's definitely something to consider but um for that night anyway he looked really solid this front the front section of this team just got a whole lot more confusing now because <laughs> it's, it's the problem we've been talking about since preseason. It's crowded, it's crowded, and it's more crowded. And it keeps getting more crowded every week because I keep finding players that I don't know how we sit and we're going to have to sit some of them. And Kyle Murphy's the newest one to that list because, man, he was killing it out there. Um, like you said, he didn't score a goal, but he took some, some great chances, including some long balls. He had a long ball come out and hit the top crossbar that, Man, another inch down and it would have been in. Um, yeah. He looked damn good. And him and Seth as a pairing looked great. So I don't yeah. I don't know. We we've been looking for that pairing up front. Maybe the Seth and Murphy pairing is what it is, and that would be a surprise to all of us, but if it works, it works. Yeah, he uh he played primarily as a right midfielder, right wing, uh, for most of the game from what I saw. Unfortunately, we don't have the Opta stats to reaffirm everything we saw so kind of going off of handwritten notes here but um i don't know that you can pull omar gordon off for him but if they end up switching to more of a uh like four three three or going back to that three four three something where you're getting omar gordon all the way forward mm-hmm. putting kyle murphy as a midfielder or reversing that and putting murphy up top with gordon in the middle um man it it has a lot of potential and i think san antonio fc really scored some steals by getting kyle murphy and uh charlie ward uh from the rgv houston system they they have a ton of potential and i think as we get into the back half of the season as they get more time with the club it could really turn into something dangerous Oh, for sure. And I, I want to take an opportunity to shout out to Mikey Lopez. Kid was running his ass off that entire night, end to end, had several saves near around the goal for our team on defense. Um, but he was just working that field all over the place. And he's another one that I'm just, you, you can't take him off. You have to leave him in. Yeah. You got to have him in there. Yeah, it's, 
it's really interesting to watch their formation because for a couple weeks there we saw kind of a three-man back line or five-man back line depending on the situation and uh now it seems that they've faded back to the 4-2-3-1-4-1-4-1 type set and I think either way Mikey Lopez and Charlie Ward when healthy need to be in your central midfield um Pekka obviously is really solid too and maybe that's a three-man rotation there uh, or maybe you have all three of them maybe i I don't know if Mikey is the answer for a number 10, but for a box-to-box midfielder, like a number eight, like a Michael Reed role from the previous seasons, I, I can really see Charlie Ward or Mikey Lopez fitting that really nicely. And um, those three players, I think, are your central midfield core. And it's going to be a combination of those three, any chance that they get. 100% agree. 100% agree on all accounts with that. Those are definitely the guys we need to see back there in that central midfield point at this this time right now. Um, let's talk about the back line. Yeah. How about that back line? <laughs> How about that uh, center back pairing that we had in the preseason that on the first game of the season just suddenly disappeared and went away, and now it shows back up for this Santos Laguna game, and Christian and Felix were working it back there. They looked good together. That looked good, man. What? I, Where did this come from? <laughs> it was in the preseason. I don't know why it went away. We, when we were having preseason episodes, we were talking about that pairing looking like it was going to be really good, and then for some reason, unbeknownst to us, it, they got away from it, and it changed, and this is the yeah. first time it's reared its head again, and I think it needs to stick around. I think it needs to be Christian Felix and then probably McCarthy who made an appearance in this game as well, making the rotation back there. Yeah. I, I don't like singling out players and pointing to them as being the reason that the entire thing isn't working. And so that's not what I'm doing here, but um, you notice one player that's excluded from both the first and second half is Ryan Rashindle. And I felt like, Back at the beginning of the season, if you remember in the first game, Rochindo was actually the number 10 for that first game in Sacramento. Um, and then he was moved back to the role that they had planned to have him at as a defensive midfielder. And then eventually back to the back line as a center back again. And I felt like they, I felt like Coach Powell was trying to find a way to keep Rochindo on the field because he's the captain, because he, um, does a good job at, at lining players up and, and communicating well with everyone. Um, but that back line was really solid and it was better with Felix and Christian than it's been with any other pairing all year. And I don't want to take a one game sample as the gospel, but right. it, it looked good, man. And I don't know if that translates to USL play, but I feel like it's worth a shot. I mean, it it can't be any worse than what we've been doing because the center backs have been a mess this entire season. It's been a rotating door of players going in, going out, different combinations all over the place, and nothing has seemed to really stick so far. Um, Christian and Felix feels like the best pairing I've seen yet. Yeah, that's That's just what I see on my end right now, and I'd like to see it stick around. Yeah, unless you're going to play uh... – Cochran and Felix and uh, Cochran, Felix and King as the back line. Um, if you're going to have two true center backs back there, it seems like it should be 
Felix and Christian, surprisingly enough. Uh, Stephen McCarthy looked good in the time that he was on, um, but I, I kind of made the joke on social media that like he looks so good they should wrap him in bubble wrap and just save him for the last couple games of the season and going into the playoffs um, because he looked just as good as he has in 16 and 17. And as good as Sebastian Ibiaga was last year, McCarthy was the other half of that and no small part of that. And uh, the team is better when McCarthy is healthy and able to play. So uh, hopefully you have all three of those guys available and working well together. But uh, yeah, Felix and Christian looked really good together. McCarthy looked good. He was paired with uh, Chris Christian in the second half. Right. Yeah. Yes. Christian never came off. No, Christian stayed uh, on. Yeah. So I, I, I don't I, know, man. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far with, with, uh, Steven. Yeah. I think there was some rust there. I think there was some, definitely some game rust there. I don't even know if he had enough time in that game to shake it all off, especially when it came to passes. It seemed like he was missing passes quite a few times back there, but his positioning and where he was always where he needed to be even if his passes weren't always on point. So, I mean, I, I think you need to get him more game time. It'd be nice to wrap, wrap him in bubble wrap and save him for the last five or six games of the season going into postseason, hopefully. Um, but I don't think you can do that. I think we need to start getting him more play time here so that he can be 100% and mentally and physically going into these games. Yeah, for sure. Um, I... I... It was interesting to see Restrepo back. Um, I, I think that confirms that the 4th of July match, I think it was, where Cardoni started. Um, or was it the one before that? No, one of the ones was, where Diego... It was the last started. game before this, yeah. Um, I, I think that confirms that was just a little bit of rest and, uh, you know, Restrepo's fine and, and ready to go and still the number one. I don't think we have any controversy there yet, but, you know, you never know. I mean, they got, they got some people rest for this game, too. Gordon didn't dress out. Pekka didn't dress out. Um, there were a couple guys up there sitting in the, the box before the game when I walked in. So yeah. it's, they're taking <laughs> the opportunity. there in 118 for a little bit. <laughs> yes, he was. I don't know how much rest you're getting over there, but that was still <laughs> it was cool to see. Um, yeah, most of the team dressed out, but like you said, uh, Pekka, Gordon, Rafa, Rochandel, um That was pretty much everybody else, though. Pekka, Gordon, and Rafa were the three that I saw sitting outside at the time when I was walking into the stadium. So, yeah, I uh, I really liked what I saw. It was an entertaining game, and I, I have a ton of notes here, um, but. The biggest thing I think would just be that, um, you know, there's still players that are contending for minutes and Kyle Murphy is one of them. Mike Seth is one of them. Chris Christian, kind of a, a sleeper there for me. Um, he, he's trying to get back in the mix and getting some starting minutes. And it will be really interesting to see what team travels to Orange County this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, yeah, that lineup's going to be mighty interesting, and I think hopefully mighty telling for the future and what they're what they're looking at now after that game. I think Santos, the Santos game, probably opened some eyes for for Coach Powell, and there may be some lineup changes coming here to try and jumpstart this offense and get the 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 defense sorted out. 
Yeah, I mean, right now San Antonio is at 16 games played. So after the upcoming Orange County match, they'll be halfway done with their season. Um, right now they're sitting in 10th, although they do have the fewest amount of games played out of the top 10 out, yeah, of, we're, we're, out of the entire West other than Seattle. We're sitting at uh, 16 games played right now. Everybody that's ahead of us in the rankings um, is either at 18 games or 20 games. So, yeah, we got some games in hand to work with here. Hopefully that'll give us an opportunity to catch up. Yeah, every the only other team with 16 games played is Seattle, who are in dead last <laughs> with 11 points. Uh, San Antonio's in 10th and, and in a good position, I think. I know I get shit for talking about like – oh, there's still time, there's still time, but you literally have half the season left and there's a ton that can happen there, especially with uh, teams like Swope Park who are reportedly gearing up to go down to D3. Um, Portland, you never know what happens with their MLS team. Maybe they need to call guys up. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of questions up here. Um, one thing I do think, we we didn't have this on our list to talk about and we don't have to talk about it too long, but... I think the top of the Western Conference is – I think the Western Conference is just very top-heavy. Um, yes. I, I love San Antonio, but um, Salt Lake City, Reno, and Phoenix are very, very tough. <laughs> and um, I, I think one of those three is probably going to win the regular season uh, as far as the Western Conference goes. Playoffs are a whole different game. Playoffs play to San Antonio's strength because I think they can beat any team in a one-game sample. But, um, yeah, once once you get past that top three, I would say, um, there's, there's a pretty steep drop-off, in my opinion. Well, even just looking at the West versus the East, there's six teams in the West that are over 30 points right now. Yeah. And there's only two in the East. The East has got a much bigger drop-off when it comes to powered house teams out there. Um, it'd be interesting to see a shake-up with some of those teams if East and West traded a few. I know that's not going to happen, but... Right. Um, might make the conferences a little bit more fair. <laughs> yeah. Los Dos, RGB, Tulsa, and Seattle all have fewer than 20 points <laughs> with um, between 16 and 19 games played. Las Vegas has 20, uh, like it's, it's not great. It's not great down there at the bottom it, of the West. <laughs> it could be worse. I mean, the East has Toronto FC too with yeah. three points. Yeah. Three. That's <laughs> three. Insane. What a joke. I can't remember. I, I think we talked about it last week with Toronto dropping down to D3 if I'm not mistaken. Yes. We, we um, talked about it a little sure bit. We talked about that. Something uh, somebody brought up on Twitter when the Santos Laguna game was going on, they had the Mexican flag flying next to the United States flag, which usually has the Canadian flag on that pole. Um, but next year there won't be any reason to have the Canadian flag because there won't be any Canadian teams in USL in you know, the, the league that SAFC plays in. Right now, there's no Canadian teams in the West, so really, there's not a ton of reason to fly it at all. But we'll see if we we might see that change exactly. next year. Honestly, yeah. we might see that change next year. I would not be surprised to see the Mexican flag flying next to it next year. With <laughs> might as well, right? 
with with El Paso joining and all this. Yeah, I mean, like I can totally see that happening here and RGV and yeah. I could really see USL, especially with RGV, San Antonio, El Paso, potentially Austin. It seems like it would be a great opportunity for Mexican players who aren't getting time in the Mexican system to come up and maybe feature a little bit in the United States system or in the North, in the U.S. Canada system, whatever you want to phrase it. But I, I could definitely see that happening to where there's kind of an influx of Mexican players in the future. If, if these Texas teams hold on, that could be really interesting. That it'd be interesting to see if there was some sort of like partnership with individual teams. Yeah. Like we see with the affiliations with like NYCFC and stuff like that. If there was, you know, like one or two teams in particular. Right. Antonio was working with to pull players and, and things like that. And I don't think there's any FIFA rules against, I mean, there's definitely not FIFA rules against loaning between countries because other teams do it all the time. You look at Chelsea, half of their players are in another country. Um, yeah, it, it might just be tough with international slots. Yeah, that's that's kind working of, it out. Right, it could work. Um. Anyway, I, I I hate to play this old tune, but there really is a ton of time. Next week, we're gonna have our mid-season recap. Uh, what we think of San Antonio FC through their first half of the season, and uh, what we expect out of the second half. So, tune in for that. <laughs> see gordino says they get played too they get paid too much and they'd probably have to be liga Emeki's second division players yeah i mean that's a possibility yeah um but some of those second division players are probably on on tier with usl level play so probably like towards the top of usl level play i would guess yeah i think second division of liga Emeki's would be uh you know better than usl in a lot but, of ways I mean, we're the current Liga Emeki's champs anyways right now, right? <laughs> That's how it works. San Antonio and RGB yeah. both beat Santos Laguna. So USL is a stronger league than Liga Emeki's. You can spread that word. <laughs> uh, obviously being sarcastic there, just to be clear. But um, fun game either way. Anything else you want to talk about with uh, that game before we move on to... A little award that a certain SAFC player won this week. I think we should mention that we do have a game this weekend first before we get to that. Mm. Um, we have a game against Orange County SC this weekend. They are ahead of us in the table currently. They're sitting up in sixth. Um, we've got two game, games in hand over them, but they're one of those pl- teams that are over 30 points already in the, in the standings. And they've been lighting it up out there for a good portion of the season. Lots of games where they've put three, four, five, six goals up. Um, so the last time we faced them and we lost three to zero in our, our house. Yeah. Now we faced them out in orange County at nine o'clock on Saturday night. Um, could be another goal fest potentially. We'll see. I mean, they're an extremely dangerous attacking team and they have a goalkeeper on loan there from NYCFC, Andre Rawls. So very strong team at both sides of the pitch. And, um, I hope this is a little bit of a revenge game for SAFC. Um, technically, Orange County has been better on the road. They are uh, 5-4-0 on the road and 4-2-3 and three at home. So 
at least there's that. I, I hope I hope we don't get hit with the Andre Rawls thing again because last time when we did play him and we lost, we walked out of that game going, if it had been another keeper, that game probably <laughs> wouldn't have gone that way because there were some yeah. great saves on his part. Um, so hopefully he's having an off night. I'm pretty so sure he Saturday. made team of the week that that week. He did. He did. He was he was team of the week on goal that week. Oh man. Well, for what it's worth, Orange County travels to play Swill Park Rangers on the Wednesday right after that match. So hopefully maybe they'll rest some players. I don't know. You'll never know. We'll never know. But they just got beat by LA Galaxy too. Three to zero. So I don't know. They may be angry. Zlatan got loaned down for that game, right? That's where it was. Absolutely. That's... <laughs> With his roller skates. Did you see that picture? I on... did. I saw it. Good for that kid getting to meet him. But yeah, the roller skates. Jesus. That's like every LA beach stereotype that I could think of. He's on roller skates on the beach with an ice cream cone. Like, I feel like there's should be music playing behind him and just like, like 90s sitcom-y like title screen going on. Well, I mean, Zlatan doesn't need music. Music needs Zlatan. So, you know. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um speaking of phenomenal goals there's a transition alex bruce uh took home goal of the week for usl this week for that chip that he had on july 4th against okc uh before that gordon gordinho says mission city watch party at cloak and dagger come out everyone pre-gaming for world cup final um and a bot copied him so thanks bot <laughs> yeah mission city firm is uh hosting a watch party for the world cup finals so you should definitely check that out um they were there against that santos laguna team that yes, was fun were. to see so <clears throat> anyway um yeah alex bruce's goal won him goal of the week for this week for usl and i think it deserved it uh he that <laughs> was great vision great awareness and we talked about it last week. That was a very mature thing for such a young player to do. That was one hell of a goal. And he put the stomp down on everybody in the voting for USL goal of the week too. Um, one with 65% of the vote at one point, it was as high as 85% with over a hundred votes in it at that time. Yeah. Like he just, he ran away with that thing. Not just from probably San Antonio voters either. Uh, looking at the other goals that were up for it, they just did not hold a candle to what what Alex Bruce pulled off in that game. Yeah, yeah, it looked really good. And I know we criticized him right after talking about that last week for <laughs> bouncing that header over the crossbar. But um, if it wasn't for that goal, it, it would have been a loss. So I'm glad that he got some recognition for it, and uh, you know, hopefully that builds his confidence and we see more goals against Orange County. We'll see. It should be coming. <laughs> oh, God. Now you're the one dying it's over coming there. Up. Yeah, what the hell, man? It finally got up to me here in uh, the middle of nowhere. So, man, <clears throat> it got me good. This makes for good radio. Anyway, uh, next thing we were going to talk about was um, the stadium situation in Miami is having some developments going on. They, I haven't checked since we started. But I'm, I'm pulling it up right now to see if there's a new update. That's yeah, they are, are literally doing it as we're recording this. So 
the the background is that Beckham's group for the MLS team wanted to put a stadium in Overtown, and uh, it's not a great part of town. Um, and he wanted the people to walk, uh, you know, half mile to the stadium and take boats and all sorts of crazy stuff that wasn't going to work. So they uh, appear to be punting on Overtown and trying to move to the only city-owned golf course in the city, um, which also happens to be next to an airport, which is, you know, potential traffic concerns. Um, but currently, yeah, this is me stalling. So whenever you're ready, Larry. <laughs> um, I, I'm following Mickey Turner's post about this on Twitter. It, for those of you that are not following Mickey Turner, he's at Turner Esquire. You should really, really, really follow him. Um, he's great for all the coverage with this stuff, with the Austin stuff, with everything going on up in Columbus. Um, his last tweet literally says, it's getting very nasty. <laughs> it, it, it looks like it did not pass in the vote for the commissioners they're trying to get another date set to possibly take another vote on it uh once more the details are fleshed out um they've got five commissioners down there and only two of them are on board currently mm. one is two are a hard no two are a yes and then the other one is undetermined but a no with the current information that's in place so it does not look like this is going very well for the Moss brothers and David Beckham at the moment, they're trying to get something else set up for another vote on the 26th is what it looks like. It's really interesting that it's not going well to me because this is, seems to be one of the best stadium deals that we've seen in a long time. Um, from my understanding, they, the current situation with the golf course is not generating any tax revenue because it's city owned and it's just not being used very much. Um, whereas the stadium would pay taxes, they would still do the um, youth program that the golf course holds. Like they would still set up a driving range and help kids learn how to play golf. They would actually be moving it is what the, what the new thing is. Oh, okay. There you go. Moving it to a different golf course. Um, but the first T is what it's called. That youth program would be sticking around. Um, and I'm shocked that it's not going very well. Um, it's a lot of it's falling with this remediation stuff. It's surprising how many parallels there are to Austin because in the last week news has come out that the site that the golf course sits on is actually a waste dump, just like, McCalla. Um, it used to be a dump site for, for biohazard materials. And when they built the golf course, apparently they put some crazy little barrier in between it in the ground. Um, but that barrier is going to have to be removed for the building of the stadium sites and the underground parking. Um, during this meeting, the Moss brothers and Beckham did commit to paying hundred percent of the remediation costs for the site. Um, but now one of the commissioners is saying they also want more revenue sharing, like a revenue sharing percentage for the team <laughs> on top of all this money that the Moss brothers and David Beckham are pouring into the stadium and the site and all the extra things that they're paying for. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's crazy how fast this is falling apart in this commissioner's meeting right now. It's amazing that the same city that sold their soul for that Marlins ballpark um, is, you know, trying to play hardball with this. <laughs> and 
Um, I, I think it was Mickey Turner who tweeted out that at the beginning of the meeting, uh, Jorge Moss mentioned that MLS was close to pulling out of Miami mm-hmm. um, if, if this didn't work out. And I don't know what they're thinking. Like if, they're, if the ownership group is going to pay taxes, if they're going to pay a fair value, if they're going to help get rid of the uh, toxicity <laughs> of the site, um, relocate the first T program. If they're doing all of that, I don't understand why the city is trying to get into profits of the team. Like if, if I built a Burger King down the road and like, and the city tried to take profits from that, that wouldn't make any sense. Right. I don't understand how this is that much different. It's I think after the shit show that was Marlins stadium, the city of Miami is so desperate to put themselves in a good position with any stadium deals moving forward that they're just, they're not willing to put up with any shit. They want everything covered by this team and they want a piece of the pie too on top of it, just in case it doesn't go the way they think it's going to go. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, this isn't the first stadium where they've done 99 year lease deals and things like that. Um, what is now the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play used to be Joe Robbie Stadium. They built that back in 1987, and they did a 99-year lease deal. And it's funny enough, they pay a dollar per year, but they're paying a crap ton of money in taxes and everything to the city right. on a site that wasn't generating, generating the, way it, the way it would be with the stadium in place. So, I mean, it's turned out to be a win for the city. They haven't, they're collecting taxes on it. They haven't had to pay a dime for the construction of any of the stadiums. Everything from Joe Robbie up to the expansions all the way to where it sits now with Hard Rock has really been paid for out of pocket by the ownership team, ownership group. So um, this is a similar deal. It's worked out well for the city. I don't know why it's not passing. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, uh, I, I got nothing. Maybe we'll have to have Mickey Turner on at some point to talk Austin and Miami and all of this stuff. Cause I just don't get, I don't get Miami specifically like Austin, you can have your objections to whatever, but the Miami deal, I don't see any downside to that unless you just really love playing that city golf course. <laughs> um, yeah, just really crazy. So it seems like the, I'm still reading through all this stuff as we're sitting here. It seems like the big sticking point at the moment is the revenue sharing. Um, Moss and and Beckham are willing to share financials and commit to pay a city percentage benefit um, for the capital transaction, but they do not want to revenue share, which is totally understandable. Yeah. Why would they? Um, They're on the hook for all the money here in this situation. The city really is just, collecting checks for taxes and and getting community benefits out of this whole situation so yeah maybe we do need to have mickey on that would be an interesting guest to bring onto the show and i wonder how that would work too with the mls ownership structure like it's not like beckham and Jorge Mas own this team they are owner operators or franchise operators basically (laughs) like maybe it's strange I mean, there's, there's other revenue opportunities other than just the stadium and the team, though, here in this situation. Um, they're going to build all that office space and all the, the nightlife areas and everything else. Um, so I would expect that all those buildings are going to be generating rent. Maybe the city they wants taxes. Yeah, maybe the city wants a cut of that. I don't, the rent and everything. I'm not sure. It just seems, seems uh, greedy, in my opinion. But Agreed. 
I don't have a dog in that fight necessarily. <laughs> Other than being from the area, neither do I. As I sit yeah. here in my Dolphins jersey right now. Yeah, I, I guess I do have family down there, so maybe I should be a little more <laughs> caring. But um, yeah, very weird. Um, anything else on Miami that you want to talk about before we kick it over to the rumor machine? I think until we get an actual answer about when their next vote's going to be, I think that's it. <laughs> All right, well, let's crank up the rumor machine real quick. Boop, 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 boop. Um, so this is very, very speculative. And I'm not even sure how much I believe it, but we're going to talk about it because that's what we do here. Um, There are rumors going out uh, that the Des Moines Menace are posed to join uh, USL in 2019. Now, I haven't heard anything about this. I'm going to rely on you for this. Is this to join as a main level team or D3? It uh, appears to be for a main USL team. There is a job posting that was posted by at Prost Soccer on Twitter, a screen cap of it, um, for chief operating officer of a new USL expansion club, uh, finalizing plans to begin play in the Midwest spring of 2019, and it's listed as Midwest Iowa. Um, not a whole lot of teams in, in Iowa. Um, and, uh, it it sounds like there's a duty with sharing, uh, uh, working a relationship with the baseball and facility operations. It sounds like they'll be sharing a baseball stadium. Um, but the Des Moines Menace, you may remember them from 2016 as an SAFC U.S. Open Cup opponent and also their head coach is Alan Marcina, a former Scorpions coach, um, coach of the only coach that has brought a, a championship to San Antonio other than Coach Pop, right? Sounds about right. I, I'm not sure if any other professional team has won a championship for San Antonio. I don't ever remember the Rampage bringing a championship, and I can't I say that I ever so. remember the Missions, but the Missions are maybe more likely. They were here. Maybe the missions. I I need to look that up and see. I'm trying to think of who else. Either way, San Antonio friendly face. Yeah. If he's going to be joining the USL, I think welcome addition there. You and me aren't going to complain about Des Moines getting a team. One of our <laughs> best friends is lives in up there in Des Moines. And shout uh, out to Ned. <laughs> yeah, Ned. Maybe we'd be coming up for road trip games up there. Yeah, we will. Uh, We'll have to have him on to talk all things Des Moines. God, that would be a shit show. (laughs) Cord fields and all sorts of other things. Yeah, no. This is just going to turn into us streaming video games and not even talking about soccer at all. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Some of our followers probably wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, We've got some some video game (laughs) folks out there that that pay attention to the show. so anyway, this this is a little more than a rumor because there's that job posting, even though it doesn't necessarily name Des Moines or the Menace, um, there aren't that many places in Iowa to play. So be really interesting. Hopefully it is. I'd love to see Alan Marcina back in um, the second division coaching. He's a good coach, and it's crazy that he's with the Des Moines Menace uh, in a, a lower division. Um, I mean, they're, they're a PDL team. 
Um, and they're on the road to potentially be undefeated this season. Like they're headed down that road. So, He's a I mean, coach, man. <laughs> Dave, yeah, they might have the talent to compete. So bring them on. Um, one of the other rumors that is a little more believable, I think. Um, Bob Williams, if you follow him on Twitter at WilliamsBob75. He says, per a, and he's got the blue check mark, so you know he's legit. Uh, he said, per a source, NWSL executives met with the USL last week about being absorbed into the league. They are unhappy being run by USSF. Talks have been going on for a while, I'm told. Um, I didn't even realize they were run by the USSF. I thought they were like an independently run league. I, I'm not really, I'm going to be fully honest. We don't have an NWSL team anywhere close other than Houston. So I am not an expert on that league by any means. Um, but I was under that impression too, but it sounds like a lot of their negotiating deals are going through USSF uh, and MLS. And that is not ideal for anyone in that league. Um, I know this year in particular, there's been a lot of 4 PM kickoffs and a lot of unsafe field conditions um, and just a lot of subpar things going on with the league and uh, their broadcast deal is in jeopardy because a lot of their games were on go 90, uh, the Verizon streaming service that's right. getting shut down. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if fans can't watch your game, they're not going to spend the revenue for you or spend their revenue on you. Um, I think it would be really cool to see NWSL and USL team up. Um, I, I, I think, think it's a win for everybody. I mean, yeah. really, it's a win for everybody, especially the leagues. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I'd never even considered this as an option before until that news came out this week. Um, it's definitely an interesting prospect. It'll be fun to see what goes forward with this and if they do end up hopping over with USL management instead. I don't know how doable this is i don't know um you know if it would be worth anybody's time but it would be really interesting to see if just san antonio for example if we got an nwsl team and they shared toyota field with safc and uh whenever one team was on the road the other one was at home uh, and so it wasn't like one team was having to be the quote-unquote lesser team and playing on a saturday or a sunday or a midweek game or something like that to where you could actually have two teams sharing a stadium and then both be of potentially equal value uh, to fans. I, I think that would be just a dream come true for a lot of these second division markets. Um, something that you can't really get with an MLS stadium because they're so big. I mean, it'd be, it would be interesting to look at the NWSL teams and see where that stadium sharing opportunity would be and to maybe see, see about moving some of those NWSL teams to cities paired up with a USL team. So that yeah. same thing, they share a stadium all the time. Um, and then they're under the same umbrella with that team that is already there from the USL side of things. Um, just briefly glancing over things like Utah has their team, Orlando. I mean, Chicago there's uh, several of these would overlap in cities where there's already USL teams or planning to be USL teams yeah it may um, not be that big of a jump North Carolina Seattle and Portland are all in that conversation too with USL teams um yeah it, 
and it might be a better phase for NWSL uh, is to pair in markets where they're not competing with MLS or, or feeding off of MLS where they can thrive as their own product. Um, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting development. I would love to have an NWSL team in San Antonio. Uh, I'd, I'd pay a lot more attention to the league, to be honest with you. Oh, for sure. I, and I'd, I'd make the effort to go out to the games. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd, it'd be cool to see dual season tickets where you get season tickets to the NWSL team and the USL team together. I'd go yeah. out to games for that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And it brings more revenue into those stadiums where, you know, they, they could potentially host a game every week. And that's only going to be good for people who are working at the stadiums or cities that are collecting tax revenue or, or different revenue from the stadiums. Like, seems like a win all around for, for that. It may bring some more security to some of these cities. And I, I'm going to use San Antonio as the example here. Um, a team that may not end up getting MLS as much as we want it to happen to have two teams in Toyota field would bring a lot more security to both of the teams in the long run and having their home and continuing to be run here. <laughs> Forget your one MLS team. We'll take two teams. That's right. <laughs> I, I would not be opposed to that joking aside. So um, moving on a little bit, but still speaking to stadiums, uh, OKC energy appear to be planning a soccer specific stadium. Cashman uh, field. In North OKC. They own that field now, right? Cashman Field, right? I think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a soccer-specific stadium, but, but it's theirs now, right? It's after, barely after a soccer stadium at six, all. Six to four win against uh, the lights in there this week? I love, I just love Las Vegas, man. I love it. And it's a problem. I love the city. I love the sports teams. It's nothing but entertainment. Some of the best comments that I've seen about Las Vegas lights are that they didn't promise the team would be good, but they promised they'd be entertaining and they have 100% lived up to that. That's, that's very true. It's very true. But yeah, no, that's, if San Antonio can't win at all this year, I'm pulling for Las Vegas. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> and, and I want to see Chelly's get another suspension after the one that he's serving. It's got to be coming at some point here. He was going after somebody on Twitter the other day. I wish I, I should have put that on the list. I'm never going to be able to find that. But <laughs> I'll find that in a second. But first, OKC is planning on building a stadium in north, in far north Oklahoma City, according to... Uh, okctalk.com um, so that's good right now I'm pretty sure they're playing in an old football stadium um, that's owned by the school district if I'm not mistaken oh, wonderful uh, so it, you know it's not the worst place to play <laughs> that would be Las Vegas at Cashman Field <laughs> but, um, yeah it, it's it's interesting uh, I, I honestly, until I saw this on the list to talk about this week, I wasn't, I hadn't even seen anything about them getting a stadium. So, I mean, if they're going to get their own home and have another soccer specific stadium in the city, good for them. The more soccer specific stadiums we can get, the better. Yeah, man. And that's a market that like is probably on the way outside track for MLS, like most likely not getting it. So to see a team that's probably going to be around in USL for the long haul, get a soccer specific stadium is great. More more of that all of that please um damn it i'm gonna end up looking through chelly's uh 
Twitter account oh, no, here in a second. <laughs> um, El Paso's USL team is down to a few finalists. Um, I uh, almost feel like I shouldn't broadcast this to people who are primarily from San Antonio and Austin that listen to this show. Um, but I don't think any of the remaining team names are really trolly, so maybe it won't get out of hand. But um, they're down to the Estrellas, the Legartos, the Locomotive, the Stars, and the Tejanos. They all suck. They all suck. <laughs> Stars is on there twice. Like, how did you... <laughs> It's not even five team names. It's on there twice because you know all the people that speak Spanish down there are just going to call them the, the El Paso Estrellas. They're not going to say stars. The white folk are going to say stars. It's the same name twice. It's not even a five-name list. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I'm dying. I saw the list of names, and I was dying. I was like, what are, what are they doing? And I mean, oh, I don't know. And then the Lagartos is really the lizards. So I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I'm on board with that. Ish. So the El Paso Stars slash Estrellas, the lizards, the locomotive, or the Tejanos. <laughs> oh, man, I. I think I would actually be most okay with the Lagartos. Like, I don't love it. But when I think of when I think of stars, I think of the Dallas hockey team. Um, yeah, that's why you'd have to call them the Estrellas because then then it would differentiate them at least a little bit. Also, the Austin um, hockey team—they're the Texas Stars that play in Cedar Park, right? Yes, they, are. Um, yes, they are. Tejanos, like. It's like, I hate the name the Houston Texans. I hate it with a passion. I don't really care about the team. I'm pretty neutral on the team. But the name, I, I despise. It's terrible. I mean, I applaud them for not being an El Paso FC or any yeah, bullshit like that. Sure. But I feel like there's probably some better options than uh, what they've got on this list. I hope they go with the Lagartos or the Estrellas, personally. I'm locomotive i wonder why is that like tied to the city maybe they're trains of some sort i i can only assume it's train traffic coming from mexico for from with goods production purposes and stuff like that maybe they're a big train hub i don't know that i I don't there's a lot of mountains it seems like a terrible place to put trains but i don't know i don't know uh, yeah, I just I don't think any of these names are good. <laughs> I have to come up with something else. I should have asked my wife before she went to sleep which one she likes the most. She's from El Paso. Maybe she could give some uh, local insight there. <laughs> I okay. I'm gonna make a really horrible joke. I hope their defensive-minded team in the back line is called the Wall. <sighs> Not really, though. But it'd be funny if it did. But not really. (laughs) Um, They need to find better names. That's at the end of the day. I don't know how these are the five finalists. I don't know how. I hope they add more new ones. I'm not really sure, but 
um yeah i i don't know what i don't know i don't know what they can do because at the end of the day they're they're competing with juarez and they're they're like their team name might as well be like um the el paso please stay here and watch (laughs) the el paso locos what what, not locos locals with an l at the end ah uh we we don't have to cross the border it's closer like the el paso conveniences um any of those (laughs) would be better than crossing the border and watching in juarez but i don't think that's gonna happen it seems like a missed opportunity to name them name themselves the cartel yeah that's not gonna play good man (laughs) what are you doing here (laughs) Oh man, I'm having a good night. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I just I'm trying to find Chellis's Twitter account and get off of here without offending anyone. <laughs> and I'm, nothing is happening. So maybe we'll just send it there. And <laughs> anything else you want to talk about tonight? I think we covered it. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mid-season um, form, people. Mid-season season yeah, form. So um, we will put out there if we're going to be watching the World Cup anywhere publicly. Um, maybe we'll go to Mission City. Maybe we'll be lazy and watch it at home and stream during it or something. I don't know. We'll see. But that is an idea. Um, either way, thank you to the beautiful Game Network for sponsoring us uh for for helping us out in every way that they do uh thank you to our sponsor revneck scarves the official scarf supplier to mls usl and u.s soccer you can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com um thank you for listening thank you for checking us out every week and uh we will see you back here thursday at 9 p.m so take care we'll see you